Welcome in for another episode of Gates and Dobbins. Can't Today wait. we're going to be covering the civil rights movement. Um, more so its early onset as it began to plunge towards the promised land all the way through Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. Dobbins, always good to be with you. Always good to be with you too, Gates. Uh, you know, there's a few uh, topics we're going to go over. Um, W.E.B. Du Bois and his foundation of the crisis. Um, that was a big movement. Uh, Marcus Garvey and his, um, you know, foundation of the UNIA, which is the Universal Negro Improvement Association, yep. and you know the brushback he got from that. Huge brushback. Um, the Montgomery bus boycott. <laughs> We're just gonna keep rolling. We're just gonna keep rolling. Keep rolling. Uh, and then you know, finally, guys, guys like to have fun in the studio. Yeah. Just around. You get it, Dad. You get it. You know. Uh, and then finally, we're gonna wrap it up with. Martin Luther King and Henry Hoover and basically just what happened between them two uh, and how that was unfair. And then we're just going to wrap everything up. So let's make this plunge in, starting with the one and only W. Du Bois. Now, at first, or at first glance, it seems like creating a newspaper, um, called, or my fault, a magazine called The Crisis, doesn't seem like it would have a huge momentous effect on the movement now, does it, Dobbins? Well, I mean, it it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, obviously, you know, the crisis came with the, you know, the beginning of the NAACP, which was huge. Um, bottom line is African Americans in, you know, this time period needed something like the NAACP, which, right. you know, the National uh, Advancement for Colored People, It's it was a big thing that they needed. Right, and it definitely helped them, but little did they know just how far it would take this movement. Well, I think it's crazy how something that started in 1910 is still around today and still profitable. And basically, you know, they were, they're they now able to take things that happen in today's world, where, like, you know, say, Ferguson, Missouri, and now they can write about those issues. So, I mean, it's it's, pre- it's a pretty big, you know, it really thing did. that goes on. It gave them, you know, the ability to express themselves. And it was a public, public magazine, so all could see it. And what this did is it swung that kind of, those neutrals, you know, those those white people that weren't so bad and didn't have such scrutinized views. And it was able to do some persuading, as we've seen. Now, Du Bois himself won another huge victory in his bout with Marcus Garvey, didn't he? Well, Marcus Garvey, um, you know, love him, hate him. He was certainly controversial. Um... He founded the Black Star Line, um, which was, you know, received tons of pushback. But, so much. But the beef between him and W.E.B. Du Bois. Was it's it's one of the all-time beefs. Considered, really considered to be the worst enemy to all black people. And this is Being a guy. Being a black person. This is a guy. Right. This is a guy who's a black person. He's doing what he thinks best for the black community. However, Du Bois doesn't even say, oh, no. I disagree with that. He's coming after me saying this is the number one enemy. Putting him above, like, you know, the Jim Crow laws it's, of that time. It's, like, it's absolutely crazy. It really um, showed he, just how strong the boys was in his radical set of mind that we are going to get full equality. None of this, let's go to Africa noise, you know? Yeah, with the whole, uh, you know, send African Americans back to Africa, which doesn't really make sense in my opinion. Right, but, why, I mean, he had... He had over four million followers at a time. He, had, I mean, the, the entire organization ended up, you know, folding. But I mean, he did have some, some support at a time. 
Absolutely, he really did. And uh, and look what happened. What happened? Who did the black community side with? They took the boys, and Garvey's movement flat out failed. And as we see, you can pick up an issue of the crisis anytime to this day. Yeah, I mean, Garvey himself went through some legal trouble too. But, you know, it, it's... W.E.B. Du Bois. Du Bois is, you know, much more talked about nowadays. You don't really hear the name Marcus Garvey thrown around a lot. Never. So, I mean, we'll see who won that fight, you know, right. obviously. Um... And welcome back to the Gates and Dobbins Show. We're live in the studio. When we <laughs> left off, we had just covered Plessy versus Ferguson, and now we are going to dovetail into the Montgomery bus boycott. Dobbins, opening statements on that. Well, I mean, it's just such an important thing to happen in this time period. You know, we like to have fun on this podcast, but, you know, this was not fun. This was something that needed to be done, and it's unfortunate that it had to come down to, you know, African Americans refusing to take the bus to be heard, but it ended up at the end of the day, you know, doing its job. Um, it really did, and this all started like, just like Plessy vs. Ferguson, it started... With a small moment on December 5th, 1955. Um, and it was an attempt to protest segregation on public transportation. And it lasted for over a year. 381 days to be exact. And who started it? The ever-famous Rosa Parks. Well, Rosa Parks, obviously, you know, everyone should know that he's... Oh, uh, she's... She, she is God famous. <laughs> you know what? Yep. <laughs> so I'll dive in on Rosa Parks. My girl Rosa, here's what happened, right? One morning, she boards a bus, and she sits at the front. Now, you may think, why is she at the front such a big deal? Well, another thing um, is that the separate but equal is that while you could be on, there weren't separate buses themselves, there were separate halves, right? So the black people had to go in the back, white people in the front. Now, Rosa is sitting, like, we can assume first, second, third row along there, and she's sitting there, right? No problems at that point until... A white man boards and says, hey, yo, Rose, can I please have this seat? Well, that's exactly how well, happened. He, he might not have known her name, but he definitely said, excuse me, miss, I'm going to need this seat. I'm white. You are black. Please stand up. And what did Rosa do, Dobbins? She said no. Not a thing. She said not She said not no, a she sat there. And, well, Rosa Parks, obviously, I mean, the bus boycott was talked about, you know, by lots of people. Um, Joanne Robinson sent a letter out to the mayor of Montgomery warning of the boycott if the treatments of blacks never changed. Nothing changed. Not a thing. Rosa Parks had to get arrested for refusing to give up her seat to a white man on December 1st, 1955. For this to actually happen. Um, so, you know. And then, four days later, that boycott took place. Four days after, it was an immediate effect. It's, you know, it's a huge part of American history at this time, and um, many whites were very hesitant to allow them to cede to abolishing the reserve seats for white people on the bus. But it was that persistence, three hundred eighty-one days. Think about that's over a year of of not taking the bus, having to walk. And what did that sacrifice do? Was it worth it? Hell yeah, it was worth it. Because what happened? They the whites gave in. They got over their arrogance and said, you know what? Fine. We're losing lots of it's money. Not worth we have it. to. Losing money, we gotta do it, right? And the it's that perseverance, the willingness to make the sacrifice, which that thread we see throughout the entirety of the entire civil rights movement, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, 
The whites believed that abolishing the white-black seats would erode the principle of racial segregation and encourage blacks to up their demands, which of course they did, but for great reason. Because they had this snowball. They had to. They had to. It starts it starts with a little thing and Rosa Parks started with just refusing to give up her seat and you know, you can make the argument that she's the reason why, you know, you know, people are equal today. She set that snowball effect on her place. I agree with you, Don. Yeah. Now, we we like to take commercial breaks, but this time we're not going to. We're going to dive right in to the man himself, Martin, say it with me, Luther King, King Jr. Jr. <laughs> All right, let's dive in. Dobbins, obviously one of the most renowned figures in, in not just black history, but American history, if not the most. Um, what? Tell, just give me a little bit, like, why? Give us a little bit of background about, about not not background, but give us a little bit, like, what, what, what's, what your, what's, what's your initial take on him? Well, Mr. We Shall Overcome. And then, and then I'll dive in. But give me your initial take. Mr. We Shall Overcome is one of the most important people in society today. Um, everyone knows him. We have a day off in a week because of him. Right. All the things that he's done, um, he's the reason why blacks are, you know, treated the same or have the same rights as white men and white women do today um really he's just you know he was just such a great great public speaker and a, and a great philanthropist how about i have a dream i mean what that was really <laughs> such a moment but while we can talk about his famousness of i have a dream we're going to focus on a story you might not know as well and it's mlk's relationship or lack thereof of edgar hoover well you know Hoover was a real son of a gun, and no one really knows about that um, until you actually read the book Better Day Coming. And we got some dirt on him. We'll, we'll In case you want to read, we'll bring up some dirt about that man, Edgar so Hoover. Spoiler alert. What Not really, he... though. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring it up. Let's see. Was he a great guy? I'm going to say no. Let's dive right in, Dobbs. Here we go. You know, Hoover might have the Henry Hoover dam, but, you know, what he did deserves nothing. He deserves no recognition. None whatsoever. He tried to blackball Martin Luther King. Um, he also called him the most dangerous from the standpoint of communism. Think about that. He, Think he about that for a second. He basically said that he... He takes his platform the, yeah. and calls him out as the most dangerous man from the standpoint of communism. That is just a ridiculous claim. And he can do that because of the stature and the power he held. He's just throwing random stuff on him, isn't he? It makes no sense, too. All he was asking for was equal rights, but he was able to you know, transition this into... He wants communism, which is not what he wanted, of course. At all. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. He told uh, Robert Kennedy that King's uh, close advisor, Stanley Levinson, was a communist, and that allowed him to wiretap his phones. Um, so, so he's wiretapping this guy. So if you, if this guy, if, like, who's in the wrong here? The guy getting wiretapped or the guy doing wiretapping? Let's look at it just from that standpoint. I mean, he's literally wiretapping this guy. Who just has no quarrel with the FBI. And it allows him to do gotcha news, which is, you know, obviously, in my opinion, not right. It's, it allows him to, you know, it allows him to control him. You know, he can't, he's, he's not, he's not even safe in his own home, not on his own phones. He's he exposing his affairs, which, I mean, hey, is, should King have had affairs? Absolutely not. However, should the FBI have exposed that to his wife? Are no. you kidding me? It's ridiculous. Come on. It's ridiculous. They would bug... <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. It's all good, it's all good. They would bug his hotel rooms to try to find evidence of King's uh, affairs, which is 
It's ridiculous. And then they'd play those uh, tapes back to Blackmail King. They'd say, we've got this dirt on you. Yeah. You either, you know, shut it down completely or we're going to expose you for who you are. And, you know, King was able to just basically say, you know, screw it. I'm going to go forward with this. If my life is, my personal life is ruined because of it, it's worth it because this is so important. Alright. Well, anything else we need to cover here, Dobbs? Um, We've done a bunch, you know. We've done a bunch. Um, You know, maybe on the next episode, we'll see. Well, see, like I said, for now, for right now, like we could talk. Listen, we could go on go about MLK. I mean, Trust I can literally. Me. I want to keep talking, but we have a limit. I, I can't shut my mouth, but I'm gonna have to. You know why? Because we gotta. It, this is not what you know. This is not part of the episode. We want to get you guys to tune in the next week's episode. We'll have another one, the Gates and Dobbins show. Don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe. Hit that button. Make that John go red to white, whatever color it is on YouTube. Whatever you gotta do. And we'll be back, obviously. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. And uh, yeah, All right, this Dave, is this is pleasure. this wasn't an assignment for me. This is just a chance to express myself. This was this was an opportunity, not an assignment, in my opinion. I would not miss this in a million years. So you couldn't pay me not to do this. So, Mr. Dudley, we appreciate your you know assignment that you gave out. Yeah. And we hope you uh, hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoy this, man. All right. Peace, Dud. Take care. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back to segment two of the Gates and Dobbins show. We're live here in the studio. And uh, we're on to segment two. Segment two is Plessy versus Ferguson. Dobbins, did Plessy versus Ferguson do more or less for the black community? Well, Just a quick one-sentence summary. You could. Quick one-sentence summary would be absolutely not. Hell to the no. Absolutely not. There is no way that this helps any sort of improvement to the African American life. Um, so it, let's let's go back. It really let's, screwed him. Let's go back. Let's go. Let's go back to. You want to talk about Homer Plessy? Let's go back to yeah. Let's go back to eighteen ninety to Homer Plessy. So, Civil War's over. We're eager right now. Everything's chilling. And then eighteen ninety, Louisiana. Eighteen ninety two. No, but the, the, for, for the for the first state law. Oh, Louisiana correct. passes correct. this separate car act. Which required separate accommodations for blacks and whites on railroads, including separate railroad cars, right? That's a set law. It's a set time. law, but and it's crazy because the Civil War only ended in 1865. Right, so this is And they're of, already going back to, you know, exactly. segregated times. This it's is just, one little thing. And then, two years later, on June 7th, 1892, Homer Plessy, this guy, buys a first-class ticket at the Press Street Depot and deported... And, uh, and sorry, and boarded a... A whites-only car uh, of the East Louisiana Railroad in New Orleans, bound for Covington, Louisiana. So he bought. I'm being specific here because this moment right here really led to Buzzy led to Buzzy versus Ferguson, and we know what that did, didn't we? Don't we? Well, I mean, he bought a first-class ticket, but he was not truly like a first-class citizen. Not at all. one bit. It was kind of ridiculous. He was arrested. He took the thing to court, and finally, in 1896, they ruled that. Plessy v. Ferguson uh, it is. was separate but equal. So, basically, so it they, paves the way. They This whole little incident made a Supreme Court make this ruling separate but equal. And all that did for the black community was shatter it. And we're right back. We have made... Now there's like... We're at, we're at the bottom again. If, we're, if, if, if I'm in the black community, I'm thinking, man, I'm right back at the bottom. It's just not fair. Not as it's far as slavery, people. but it's pretty, it's pretty damn near close. It's almost... 
it's almost identical with the situation. Not it's identical just, to slavery, but you know. But it's just, it's just, it's just not fair. It's, it's not what fair. they have to go through. They have to go through all this awful things, and finally they get, you know, they're given freedom, and you know, their freedom does not come. And it stripped away by this one little thing. Clearly, there was. It just it's just tough, you know? And so what does this do? Let's look at the let's overall analyze this Plessy versus Ferguson, right? Separate, that part holds true. Equal, not so much. So the separation came in everything. Let me get some schools, restaurants, public bathrooms, what am I missing? Buses, buses, trains, uh, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. And they're all separate, but not equal. And it was made to just kind of degrade the African American community. It was just you know, it was their way of saying you're not equal to us. It's you know, Simple even though it says separate but equal, this is their way of saying you're not equal, which All is just it's that. just it's not right. Um, and it wasn't you know, <coughs> plus C. B. Ferguson was really in effect until Brown v. Board of Education. Right, all the way there, yeah. all the way to so, Brown versus Board, which was 1954. So plus C. Ferguson really just made those next what was it fifty some years a, a freaking bummer. And it just and there was and the prog and this well to be fair, what Pleasure Ferguson did is it allowed for the boy, like we mentioned, to have the effect he did because there would have been a need, there would have been no need for the crisis to be a paper to be a magazine, if this Pleasure Ferguson didn't happen. So in a way, there's a small silver lining that there was this movement that eventually led to Brown versus Board. Well, you're hundred percent correct on that. As I usual, mean, as usual, of course. But, I mean, I don't even think that, you know, the NAACP needs to get founded. You're right. Uh, therefore, the uh, UNIA never gets founded. Right. And, you know, the Montgomery bus boycott never happens. Not a thing. Nope, because... You there's know, nothing to boycott. There's nothing to boycott. Right. And Martin Luther King, he does not need to do what he needs to do. Who's Dr. King, right? That's what happens to this. So now, that's a good point to bring up here, Dobbins. Let's dive right in to the Montgomery boycott when we come back.